welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I am so happy because we are recording our Eternals review. Yes. And it's always so good to see another Marvel movie, man. Oh, yeah. This was... Man, I saw it, brought my oldest, saw it in IMAX. So cool. And I'll, Ooh, be, I'll be honest. I didn't know you got to see it in IMAX. Yeah, and I'll be honest. The only reason why I got to see it in IMAX is because I didn't get my tickets like ahead of time. And yeah. I picked them up from school and I was like, hey, you want to go see Eternals? Yeah. And it was like, no. Yeah. And I, had, I had to talk them into seeing it, which is so weird because I had to talk them into seeing Shang-Chi and they love Shang-Chi. I'm like, <sighs> anyways. Um, <laughs> but trying to like find tickets of... I was surprised of how full the theaters were. And that was mm-hmm. trying to find tickets where the two of us could sit together. That wasn't like the front row and, you know, something where we felt comfortable and all that. So we ended up in my IMAX. Which I love. Hopefully I can tee this up for you. You shared a screenshot of the text messages regarding that particular ticket confirmation. Are you cool with sharing that for the podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say it. You want me to say it? I was teeing oh. you up to share. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, mean, oh, okay. I can't if you I, want. <laughs> no, my bad. I thought you were... Yeah. So, um, you know, so I got my t- the text, ticket confirmation, and the last text message, because I, I don't go to this theater that often. Um, there's other theaters, but the last text message I had, um, right above it was my 9.30 in the morning in-game tickets. <laughs> that is... I love how it was within that text history that you could see it. That's so cool. And that was probably the last time I went to that theater, you know, and not a COVID thing, just that's not my theater of choice. Well, I want to, I want to follow up more with your IMAX experience, but I'll say that for when we get into the movie. And instead I want to say this small little tidbit, because I have a funny story from going to the theater to watch this. Mm -hmm. They played a myriad of trailers before the movie. One of which was the Batman. And it was a really cool trailer. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited for the film. And the trailer ends and it's like March 2022. And then all of a sudden you hear this five-year-old kid go, go Batman. And it was the cutest thing. Like normally I hate like loud noises in the theater because we talked about it. We're movie snobs. But yeah. there was something about the innocence of that child just going like, go Batman. That got me all. It was it was great. Yeah. I talked during the trailers. I hate it during the movies, but I talked during the trailers. So that kid... He, you just do your thing. I'm um, in fact, my talking, my talking in the trailers, the matrix came on the matrix trailer. Um, and my oldest, you know, was watching it. It was like, Oh, that's so cool. I don't, I don't care. Trader nor you got to take me to see it. I was like, I can't, it's like, you got to see the first three. I was, like, uh-huh. I was like, trust me, you got to see the first three. She's like, oh, okay. And I was just like, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm making you see the second two. Cause they suck. But I really don't want you to see all three, but you have to see all three. So I'm sorry. They do. Real quick. How old is your oldest? If you're comfortable saying 13, 13. Okay. never mind. I was going to say they might be the same age that I was when I watched the matrix for the first time, (laughs) but they're a little bit older. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the matrix is rated R the first one, but it's, it's it's a very soft R. You know, well, you know what, and that's a whole conversation we could have, maybe a topic, because so much of the violence in the Matrix, um, and I'm talking about the 1999 Matrix, I don't feel like it has to be behind the spoiler zone, but it is like 
those aren't people. Those are programs, you, you know, yeah. and, and this weird, like the philosophical, are you killing people, you know, and within the framework of that movie and stuff. And so, you know, and it's interesting because it is the violence, but in the concept of that movie, it's like, is it really violent? And in anyways, um, that <laughs> might be a fun topic episode to get into. Yeah. Well, Speaking of future episodes, let's switch back to this one, which if you downloaded, you know that we're going to be talking about our quick reactions to The Eternals. Now, something I want to go ahead and spotlight here at the top is Jude and I are recorded something, already recorded something at the beginning of this episode that will be playing at the end of this episode, which is we did a small test to see if we could recall <laughs> the names of the Eternal characters from memory without looking up any knowledge. And the reason why I wanted to do this is, and this can lead us into our pre-spoiler thoughts. He just wanted to show off, t- but okay. No. <laughs> hey, you're going to have to wait till, till the end of the episode to see how we did. But one of the things leading into this movie is it felt like there was this conversation that nobody knew who these characters were and that it was going to be hard to care about them by the end of the film. And I don't know. It just... It, it felt like it would be a fun way to test how well this movie was able to establish that characterization mm-hmm. against our memories as well, I should add. Oh, yeah. But uh, also, uh, I wanted to bring this up here at the top of the episode as well. Uh, we had the opportunity to join Tara from There Was an Idea to do another MCU character draft. So if you listen to the one we did with the movies, make sure that you are subscribed to her podcast because that should be out now. Yes, this is this episode's known as the Jude Redemption. Hashtag Jude's Redemption for sure. It's you know we mentioned this to tease this a little bit. We mentioned in this episode how we are at where I don't know if we've crossed it, but we are at the threshold of being good enough friends to start screwing each other over in the draft, and so you could feel it in this episode. And that's all I'll say. Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> so you uh, might be interested in that. Well, of course, we will link it in the show notes as well. And of course, that is going to take us to our pre-spoiler thoughts. So the way we're going to do this is if you have not seen the movie yet, uh, this is the section for you to listen to get a taste of what the movie is like without fear of spoilers. Uh, we will end our thoughts with an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone, where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. But before we get there, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? Uh, so I'm going to call back to our What to Expect episode, and I said I was hoping or expecting um, a big epic. I don't think... Hmm. What I what I was expecting when I said epic, I, I in some ways I think it did that, and in some ways I don't think it did that, um, and in a good way, right? Like because I was ex- I, I was expecting like this long time of human history, um, but the way they were able to organize the 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 narrative and the timeline, I really really enjoyed because they tackled a lot for this movie. Yeah, I think that ties directly into one of my pre-spoiler thoughts in that this movie is an incredibly ambitious movie. Uh, It is tasked with setting up so many characters, uh, letting them grapple with their purpose and how they personally feel about it. Like, I think one of the pre-spoiler thoughts I had was the mileage may vary per person depending on how patient you are with this movie, because this movie is as interested in the way that these characters act 
as superheroes as they are with how they feel about it. And I think for me personally, that is an incredible lens at which this movie is interested in. And I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Oh, yes. Yes. That's an excellent way to put it. I I think that the the only other thing that I think I would add to that, again, kind of going with that epic feel in our, our, our what to expect episode, the scale I think maybe if it doesn't accomplish it in the timelines that we were thinking of in the, that what to expect episode, the scales at which they are playing with, I think, are larger than anything we've seen in the MCU so far. And I'll leave yeah. it at that before we get into the spoiler zone. Yeah. All right. Let's spoil it. All right. Well, like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. So we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. Nick Fury died. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my so, gosh. When uh, Moon Knight showed up? Okay. <sighs> <laughs> well, how about your, uh, in our pre, or what to expect episode, your proclamation about the X-Men coming? Yeah, it didn't happen. Actually, <laughs> actually, I say that, I feel like, it feels like because because in this movie they tackled like you know hum- the history of Earth and and I guess to go back to my pre spoiler thought in my head I don't know why I kind of was envisioning a linear timeline and and so that's what I mean where it wasn't it it wasn't um, as I expected with the nonlinear jumping historically um which i thought really worked well for me you know well no way for that it did work well for me which i thought you know was was um a really good way to do it yeah so we're here at this it's our third quick reactions episode that we've done we've done one for black widow we've done one for shang chi and now we're doing one for the eternals and i think the best place to start with this is just that simple question of did it meet your expectations? And we can just kind of play off from there with things we want to add in. But I'm very curious, did this movie meet your expectations? Yes. Thinking back I to there, what I was excited, what I was hoping to see, it really did. I There's some elements of, uh, I want to say this, uh, it's, it's weird. I, I want to, because I'm, I'm kind of going to lead with the negative here, which is not really our MO. Um, but I'm just going to get it out of the way because there's so much I liked about it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think there was some moments that for me, I'm like, okay, that's the Marvel happening. And this is what Chloe Zhao wants to to do. And and it didn't take me out, but it, it totally felt different in some places, you know? Uh, like it was mm-hmm. like oh we have to do this because we're marvel um other than that you know i just man like you said ambitious like what they tried to t- tackle was just in and that epic sense uh going off the trailers it really did you know um it, it didn't disappoint me. It, it really did meet my expectations. Do you have any specific, and you could just have one uh, specific example about that Marvel-esque feel about it? Because I have one in mind, which I can go first if you need. Uh, the first fight with the Deviant just felt okay. like- on the beach? In London, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So not on the beach, because like, 
like, I mean, yeah, on the beach because it kind of just stoned in there, and and that was a good like, like, because there was a good quick way to introduce all the characters, and you get to see the power sets, right? Um, and so it was a good way to do that, but the that that scene in London where because it just kind of showed right up out of nowhere, which I realize sometimes villains and the villains counterparts or not counterpart, you know. Henchman. Yeah, henchman. I didn't I didn't want to use the word henchman because, you know, this is like a alien dog type thing. But like the <laughs> but like when the deviants, you know, kind of show up, it was just like I don't know, just the way it was, it just felt it felt there like, okay, we're Marvel, we have to throw something in. I got you. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. that really felt out of place for what I was seeing up to that point. I, the the example that I was going to bring up is more on the comedic side, and I'm so bummed that this is kind of like it worked for me to an extent, but I was also self-aware of it. As much as I talked about how excited I was for Kamel Nanjiani to be the comedic effect, the insistent running bit of him like narrating what was going on as though he was vlogging i think got old by one of the last times they did it like the one the one that hit me is when they were on the domo and who was it was it was it gilgamesh that was like dude you're freaking everybody out or mm-hmm. one of them said something like that yeah. no it was fastos fastos is the one. Oh, said yeah that. you're and right by that point yeah, by that point, it was like, okay, I, I feel like Marvel's doing their thing here, which is weird because I I generally am okay with their, their humor sensibilities, but I felt it a little bit in this movie. That's interesting because that didn't bother me. Really? Yeah, I, I loved all that. I thought that was great. Because <laughs> to me, that was, yeah. that was, for me, that was their way of, well, let, let me put it this way. And like in Thor... I felt like Thor did a good job because I know we haven't reviewed Thor, but I felt like Thor did a good job of balancing. We're going to take the material seriously, but we realize this is Thor, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I felt like that was a, a good way for the audience to like, Hey, we're going to take this seriously, but I, I realize what we're asking you to buy into and, mm-hmm. and the ability to kind of make fun of itself um and not and not make it fun of itself that's not the right way to put it but but to have that um you know i think i think it helps the audience sometimes um that suspension of disbelief uh a little more with things like that and so that's so that's why it worked for me well you know circling back to the original question of did this movie meet your expectations i i say yes uh i really enjoyed this film um I had already caught on just by being on social media that this was going to be a split timeline scenario where we'd be jumping back to the present and um, in the past as it converged into one point. So I was I was prepped for that. Um, The thing that I was looking forward to the most as far as an expectation I wanted to meet was that um, characterization of all the new characters that they were putting forth and seeing how well they would gel together. And I, uh, cause I mentioned it in the pre-spoiler thoughts, like this movie is as interested in their actions as it is about how they feel. The thing that I kept circling back to, at least for some of these members is how interesting it was that so often in these movies and for shorthand, I'll just say Avengers. I know not everybody's an Avenger, but so often part of what, 
the Avengers are is sacrificing something for the greater good. And the thing that I thought that was interesting about this film is they did that. They spent, you know, thousands of years fighting off the deviants, finished their goal, got to go live a life, and then were asked to be brought back into the fold. So it's very interesting to me to watch how some of these characters had to reconcile with going back to their original motive while also having found some life after the superhero role, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. That was such an interesting angle, I think, for this movie to tackle. Yeah. Because you had, you know, you had, you know, I was just talking about Kingo. You had him and his love of filmmaking. You had Fastos and the family that he found in the way that it rejuvenated his faith in humanity, as well as Cersei and her relationship that she was building with Dane. So it was just a great way to ground and characterize these people in such an a, a efficient timescale. I know it's two, two hours and 40-ish minutes, but the amount of characters they were juggling, I thought they did it really well. Oh, yeah. It was a huge cast, and we got to know all of them. God, and, and, and like you said, in a much deeper way. And, and there was, even from beginning to, like, to, well, take Sprite, you know, uh, that beginning moment where not herself in the bar mm-hmm. and has to move away, like, is such a small moment, but it, it impacts the end and her decisions she makes at the end, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and why she feels the way she does. And, and I think it really dealt with the the psychology that they probably had of for thousands of years just hanging out and speaking of that time scale one of the things that was interesting is the way they were able to make their personalities feel the word that's coming to be the complete but the the two examples i can give is there is the opening scene with Cersei where uh, Dane Whitman is lecturing her class for her because she's running late. And then she shows up and she's like, hey, thanks for covering me. And I think D- uh, Dane mentions that she's always late. Then we get a flashback to a time prior in like, I can't remember, one of the ancient times. And Cersei is once again late. And so somebody comments on it. So you see there's consistency there uh, with Fastos. You know, he was a tinker. He was always building something for the team and and constantly trying to build and further humanity as a species with his inventions, but having to dial it back. And then you get the scene where he's in present day with his family and he's tinkering with his son's bike. So I love those small little connective moments they had to show that these characters have lived such a large span of time, but they are the same people from where they started to where we get to meet with them in the present. Yeah. So can I bring something up? No. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. Nick Sandy. Well, (laughs) I, I'm just, while you're talking, I I pulled up the Eternals, uh, Rotten Tomatoes reviews and scores. Yep. And, I'm reading the little snippets of all the the rotten ones, you know, and not even reading them. I'm just kind of glancing at a couple of them, you know, and coming out of the movie, I'm trying to word this nicely and humbly, but I don't think I can. Um, (laughs) For the rotten scores, I'm like, I felt coming out of this movie, I felt like you had to have a particular level of intelligence to appreciate it. And a particular understanding of like history and 
culture and myth. And if you didn't, I'm like, okay, that makes sense that you wouldn't like the movie. Um, and I, I, it feels so insulting to say because, <laughs> but, but like, there, but there's so much of wrapped in of like who Gilgamesh is and understanding like, you know, the, um, the, the, the humanities that, that it's like, it, it was so rich, you know, um, that I'm just like, that alone, attempting to tackle that alone was just really impressive. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. And I think I'm just going to fall on this sword and it's going <laughs> to, it's going to like expose maybe my own intelligence. But I remember you bringing up Gilgamesh in our what to expect uh, episode. I'll be honest now. I, I picked up on stuff, some stuff here and there, like Icarus. Um, there was another one. Well, no, it was the Icarus uh, story where they made the joke that Sprite spread that story to poke fun at Icarus about getting too close to the sun and and stuff like that. So there are myths and stuff that I picked up on, but there are some stuff that flew over my head, like Gilgamesh. I am not entirely familiar with that. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So like, let's start here. In In the beginning is how it starts. Okay. And it's very biblical, you know, like, like Joseph Campbell would have loved this film. So... You have, you know, the the very the the creation story myths right there in the beginning, um, with the text. You kind of see the creation of the earth, like you have the one shot where they very specifically brought water, um, you know, and so you know this life giving, um, and and of course the one who can bring water that's this life giving is the one in the end who's going to give earth life and you know to continue on but like the tiamat you know is one of the two people in this ancient babylonian story enuma elash um and enuma elash and i know i'm mispronouncing it i apologize for that um especially after the snobby statement i just said um but (laughs) like they're in babylon at the hanging gardens of babylon one of the seventh ancient wonders of the world where during the Babylonian, like biblically, during in the Babylonian exile, you had, you know, so you had this ancient Mesopotamia story, the Enuma Elosh, and that was Tiamat, and I think Marduk is the other one, and they basically are these gods that have this battle and fight, and one of them dies. The body, like, is cut in half. The body of the dead god here becomes the earth. And then, like, the bones and blood that go all splattered everywhere is what um, becomes of, or becomes the people, so to speak, like the, the things. And during the Babylonian exile, you have essentially what ends up becoming what we now know as modern-day Orthodox Judaism. Um, to, to maintain their own faith and, and their belief and, and, this, and this, you know, Actually, at the time, they they believed in more than one god. It was kind of they had one god among other gods, and then this is where it kind of um, narrowed in to just now the one god that you'd have in in Judaism, which later you know Christianity and whatnot. But that was a reaction. That whole seven day creation story is a reaction to that story of Tiamat dying and in, in there, because in that story in ancient Mesopotamia, creation is an afterthought. 
We're not here because we're wanted here. And so they did the seven day creation story where God saw it was good and this was good on everything as a reaction to show and teach their kids this faith that, oh, God wants us here and it's true. And like all of that is wrapped up in this movie that if you don't aware of it, it's just like, oh, that's his name, Tiamat. And oh, look, that's the blue hanging gardens of Babylon. But like, no, this is the things they're rooting into the, the, the evolution mm-hmm. of human history and interweaving all this myth and culture. Um, Gilgamesh, you know, in the story of Gilgamesh, another, um, I believe ancient Mesopotamian Babylonian type story that has a flood story that's very similar to the flood in Noah's Ark. Um, you know, uh, if I remember right, again, it's been a while. It, it's, roughly around the same time period as far as written. I think Gilgamesh might actually be older. But like all of that is laced within this. And that's what I mean by like it is super ambition to ta- ambitious to tackle this. And it's like if you're not aware, you know, and this is probably one of the few movies I talked through because I was leaning over to Bear the whole time and I was like, okay, this is that and this means this and that name is this. And you know, um that like I'm eating it up. And I'm like if you don't, if if you're not aware of all those things, they right over the head. So what I'm hearing is I need because we did the Spider-Man commentary. I need you, even if it's just for me, to come over and watch Eternals with me, so I can have your commentary while I'm watching the movie. Because uh, there are definitely things like the Tiamat completely went over my head. I was. Yeah. I was confused as to where that name was pulled from, and I was like, all right, I'm just going with it. And hearing the more you talk about it, it also makes sense to me. It is no coincidence that Ajax says that they have seven days. It's because they are blending all these different myths and, oh, and yeah. tales together. Yeah. yeah. So I I appreciate you bringing in that insight because that was something that definitely was lost yeah. on me. Oh, first thing I did is I, I called my wife when we got out of the theater. Well, she texted me, so I knew she was still awake. But then I called and I was like, you got to see this. You have to see this because she's even more like knowledgeable than I am on, on all of this stuff. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So do you have the, uh, the tickets bought for that viewing yet? Or are they going to see it? Uh, we will actually go see it. I don't know when, but we're definitely going to go see it. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, I wanted to bring up another point. Uh, speaking of Gilgamesh, uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up is how much I enjoyed the relationship between him and Thena. Um, it was very moving to see him stick up for her when the option on the table was to erase her memory, which even as a tangent, the idea, like I've, I've seen characters before who span a immeasurable amount of lifetime. And this is the first time, at least that I can remember at, at the, at this recording that the idea of those memories becoming so unbearable that they have that sickness. I've, I forgot exactly what it was called something weary. And that was an interesting idea that they were playing with that like whenever they reach that point where they just have too many memories for the mind to handle, they have to be wiped out so that they can start again is is heartbreaking. And the fact that Gilgamesh was willing, even after they were given the freedom to go and do whatever it was they pleased, he volunteered to stay with her because he cared about her and wanted to see her in a great place. And that was great, especially whenever we caught up with them again and to see that they were such a happy unit and how they were functioning mm-hmm. and the the ha- and the the life that they had created together and i thought that was so moving and 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 it 
adds so much to because obviously we're in spoiler zone. Gilgamesh unfortunately does not make it in this movie, but it makes that moment whenever Athena is vindicated for all the memories that she was dealing with after they learned the truth about what it mm-hmm. means to be the the Eternals and the burden that has been placed upon them. That it wasn't that she was malfunctioning. She was remembering the things that were supposed to be white from her. And so the vindication that she gets when she takes out the uh, the deviant that killed Gilgamesh, it's just such a moving thread mm-hmm. from the, the beginning of their relationship to where it ends with Thena and her um, catharsis. Yeah, and that's such a good example of, of this movie trying to tackle with so many characters like the psychological impact of what they're doing. Um, and, th- and it does it in such a visual way, uh, with Dina's character, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, in it, with a visual way with Dina's character, um, you know, a very visual way with, I want to say Sprite's character as well, just because of what her, her skill set or power set is and to create these illusions and to change look and all of that. You know, I thought I thought they used both of those very effectively um, in terms of of how to psychologically deal with things. And it, it you know, speaking in that realm, I, I'm thinking of the way the powers reflect the personality. Like, for example, with Cersei, I mean, she has the ability to create. And it makes sense that she grew a fondness for humanity and was helping them along and and showing and how in turn in the present day that meant that she became a teacher, like creating that foundation Mm -hmm. for them to continue learning. Such a great way to do that. But the other one that's sticking out to me right now is Druig. You know, he is not physically the strongest of the Eternals, but the ability that he had to um, enrapture humanity's mind and bend them to his will you know it's so easy for that to be abused because that's a very very powerful thing but he ends up being the one one of the ones that has empathy for them and wants to create that safety like he knows he can end it all the all the strife all the conflict all the war and he has to deal with the fact that he can't and so i like that the angle they took with him having empathy for humanity when he has the ability to to stop it at a moment Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. What I'm curious, visually, what did you think about the the celestials? That is what I meant when I said we are seeing a scale at which the MCU has never dealt with before. It I I don't know if this is going to be universal because I have a fear of roller coasters, but it's what I imagine it feels like to be at the top of a roller coaster. And like just that pit in your stomach of Mm -hmm. just waiting for it to drop. Every time I saw a celestial, that's what I felt like. Like I was at the top of a roller coaster, just waiting. Yeah, like yeah. When when the when it was being born, I guess out of the earth, uh huh, and coming out of the ground, and like and and you got the sense of the scale. But once I that hand and the head started coming out of the sea, yeah, and you really get a sense of like. Wow, you know, and also visually, they kind of stuck to what you had and what you saw in Guardians. You know, not in in terms of that one shot where um, I almost said Grandmaster, where the Collector was was telling his story. You know about these stones. Um, 
and and I enjoyed the continuity of that, but I don't think I expected the the grand scale of them as much as they 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 showed. Well, think about where the grand. <laughs> you got me saying grandmaster. Think about where the collector is located mm-hmm. in nowhere. That was in the head of a celestial, right? Yeah, like that scale is so consistent, and like you said with the tailing, it's it's phenomenal. And there's two scenes that stick out to me. It's I mean, they all do, but the ones that are coming to me right now that's just like am, like burned in my memory, whenever we're at the end of the movie and Cersei is speaking with Dane and she is summoned by the uh, the Celestial to space, like the idea of you just look up and it's that head oh, yeah. is in, engulfing the sky. It was like, whoa. And then, then you see him or you see them and their hand as they're controlling the Eternals that they have summoned, and then you just see puny Earth next to their hand, and it's it's breathtaking. And then the other one that comes to mind is after they um, freeze... Um, I forget the name. Tia what? Tiamat? Tiamat? Tiamat. Yeah. Whenever they freeze Tiamat and you just see half the head sticking out of the ocean, that was such... It reminds me of that shot I love so much in Star Wars The Force Awakens where you just see a downed... Um, I can never remember the name of the ship, but that downed... Oh, the Star Destroyer? Uh, yeah, the Star Destroyer in the, sky, in the sand and it's just kind of like half buried. Like I like seeing decommissioned grand scale yeah. entities. Like, it's just such a, a cool idea to have to reckon with. And I'm hoping, hoping that that is not done away with. And that is a permanent lasting effect within the MCU of we'll just see somebody casually mention like, oh, yeah, that giant space head in the ocean. Yeah. And playing off of that, I I kept wondering, where does this fit in the larger MCU? Like, when you start seeing the scale of the celestial and the life cycle of a planet being the life cycle for new celestials and then it's like okay so where does kang play in with all this is this a different multiverse like you know i mean because i guess kang has to be seeing all this or the watcher has to be seeing all this that felt like an avengers level threat that no avenger showed <laughs> up to um uh-huh. you know and and then it made me wonder is like so could have Hulk wrestled a deviant? Like, you know, and, and so, I, so I had those types of questions, and I think that's some of the issues that comes up with, you know, the continuity when you have here. It didn't fully take me out of the movie, but it just, it, you know, I was like, oh, okay, so how does that going to play out when, you know, that remains on Earth? Um, and then the other thing is, we talked about Thena, we talked about that that moment she had, but I really was expecting the deviant to live and kind of wish the deviant lived. Only because uh, as a life form and you see that deviant um, evolving and how it talks, it has a conscience, um, you know, well, conscious and conscience, two different things and I'm not going to dive into whether the deviant had one or the other or both. Um, anyways, I'm not going to dive down that road, <laughs> but... The idea. We'll save it for the uh, the live commentary. Yeah, the idea though is 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 you know I'd love to to have seen that uh, creature, the deviant, live because it was evolving, um, you know, and I felt like you could have given Thena a different way to have her her moment, um, but you know I'm not the writer director, so I only do a podcast. 
<laughs> I, I totally see what you mean, though, because, again, like I said, this movie is as interested in the action as it is how these characters feel. It would have been more to the point of that, uh, I guess, MO that this movie has to take something that started out as pure action, which is the deviant, and let them also explore what it means to... Because he openly admitted, right? We are both tools of, a, of God that has pitted us against each other. Like, I, I, I'm I, with you. Then I would have liked to have seen a little bit more exploration of them as well. Well, you, you kind of fall into a misdirect of who the villain is. And the only way you have that misdirect the way they wanted it was having those deviants, you know, and giving them something to fight. Until the real villain, so to speak, arrives. Yeah, which I'm going to bounce off of that because I had one more thought, but I want to bounce off of that and I can bridge the gap here. Man, Icarus is a very hard character to watch because we talk about it so often that the best villains are the ones that you can sympathize with a little bit. And the fact that, I mean... Don't get me wrong, Icarus straight up murdered Ajax. So, you know, he's beyond redemption, I think. But you can see the the tracks that have been laid for him in that this was his life's purpose. And he followed Ajax to that end of like, we're going to serve this. And whenever the people he counted on started going away from that one thing they believed in, which is to, even though they didn't know it, but even... Even though they didn't know it, he still believed in their purpose after finding out that the life cycle of the Celestial was at the expense of the humanity that they were farming for it. Like, that is so much for him to have to grapple with. And so you can almost feel bad for him while he still plays that villainous role. Yeah. At least I did. No, no. Yeah, I think you're right. And I can transition to the thing I want to talk about. Like, the entire beach sequence is... The final beach sequence where they're all fighting against each other to destroy the celestial before it awakes. You know, it is the I, I I'm circling. I'm trying to point out uh, this feeling I have in these movies now. And I had talked about it with uh, uh, Tara in the Shang-Chi reaction where whenever he's can. Oh, I forgot. We can't spoil that one yet. But there's a moment in these movies where you can see <laughs> a victory lap. Yeah, I know. I had to catch myself there. We're almost, we're almost yeah. to the free game for yeah. Shang Chi. Good catch. Yet. Good catch. You can catch a moment. <laughs> There's a moment in these movies where, because they have taken the time to set things up, they get to have their victory lap. And for me, it is watching the fight amongst each other while Cersei gets to demonstrate her power to save the day, while all these. I can't think of a better way to say it, but given the power scale of Icarus, the lesser Eternals are banding together and using their powers to overpower them. Like, it's just such a great way for this movie to build to this swelling momentum. And so I love the way Icarus had turned to this because he believed so much in bringing the Celestial to life. And the way that Fastos was denying him of that satisfaction was the way that he forced his creations to make him look at the ground, despite him trying to like look and see at the work that he had been working for his entire life. Just, oh my God, like it was just so impactful to see that happen. And the other thing I liked about that beach sequence is even before we get there with Makari, who thinks she has lost Druig is just pure rage and the form of hyperspeed and is overwhelming Icarus in an incredible way that I have not seen depicted super speed. 
at least at least this is my emotional reaction coming out of the theater like two hours ago. They did justice to a character who moves that fast in a way that I haven't seen in superhero movies before, which I thought was very exciting. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, hmm, what the TV show Flash comes to mind, but budget wise, they can't really pull it off. You know, I mean, there's the Flash in Justice League. Hmm. But that was all slow mo. <laughs> well, I mean, um, no, to and, be and, fair. And, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to d- talk down about it. Like that's like that was how the to show speed in that was slow mo, and like like same thing with like Days of Future Past. You had that that speed, but when they really wanted to show it off, they went the reverse, right? Like it was the super slow mo. Whereas this, there wasn't like I don't remember. I just saw it last night. There was just speed. It wasn't overwhelming speed. It wasn't like we're going to slow it down to try to emphasize how fast it is. Yeah, it's a co- it was a cool depiction for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it for me. Unless you got any more, I think we can just throw some stray thoughts in there. Yeah. If you have any. Um. You know what? Let's just let's just go see it again. Okay. All right. Everybody, just pause for let's what five hours. By the time we get to the theater, watch the movie, come back. Did I lose you? No, I'm paused. I'm 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 going I'm I'm headed out to the, the theater. <laughs> oh man. Well, do do you have any straight thoughts? Because uh, I have a few. You know what? The the only straight thought I had was um, the in credit scenes. It was a little bit of a disappointment, honestly. Really? Yeah, because it came in. I immediately recognized Pat Oswald's thing and her voice and then um and harry styles came in and i was just kind of like is this it, too much too quick in terms of you know like yeah i just in terms of like you had the guardians and you have the eternals and you're taking these steps out it's like was this too much too quick you know you know what i mean and then and then the last mm-hmm. one um, the last in credits was probably the best one of these two. I agree. But if, but if you don't know, not the voice, but if you don't know who Kit Harrington's character is in his complicated past, it's like, so, you, you know what I mean? They're doing, they did very minimal work towards it. Right. And, and so in that sense, it's, it, it's, it didn't leave. And I don't think it's going to leave a lot of audiences with, with, with this excitement, unless you go start looking things up. So to comment off of that, these aren't my straight thoughts, but to bounce on what you just said, the first one with Eros and Harry Styles, I feel about that the way I felt about Ed Sheeran being in Game of Thrones. Nervous. He was in Game of Thrones? Yeah. He's one of the uh, the Lannister guards that Arya uh, has dinner with by the fire. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's either, it's either going to be just kind of a fun nod, but... This seems like too big of a character to be a fun nod. Yeah. And we'll, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm being judgmental, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. The second one, I enjoyed a lot more um, just because like, I know some external knowledge about who his character is supposed to be and what's going on. Um, but the feeling I have for overall is it felt like the general method for the post-credit scenes is normally you would get one of these and then a comedic one, whereas we got two kind of straightforward ones. Yeah, And yeah. so that felt like it was breaking the mold a little bit, but, you know, 
I'm fine with it. It didn't it didn't bother me too too much. Do we want to say because the Chloe Zhao has confirmed the voice? Do we want to mention it here on the podcast and talk about well, it? Well, it's so funny. The two that had two people sitting next to me um, that they were they were nice, and and the one lady I was just like, it's like whose voice was that? She's immediately without hesitation. It's Nick Fury. I was like, was it? She's like, oh yeah, it was. <laughs> that was Nick Fury. It's like, and and I stood up to stretch my legs, and I was just like, and I was like, okay, that's. I'm gonna credit the the lady sitting in the theater next to me. When anybody asks, I'm gonna say it's Nick Fury's voice. And obviously, she didn't know that I had a podcast. And she's like, "Yeah," and she, and she was like, "Yeah, go ahead. You just you know just say some random lady in the theater." So some random lady <laughs> in the theater said it was Nick Fury. So I guess it's Nick Fury. <laughs> I was gonna say your eldest was. Uh, advertising for us very loudly yes. about MCU you need to know. So maybe the person sitting next to you is listening and is now responsible for the confirmation of Nick Fury in Eternals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How about this? Because I know there are people who don't want to know. Let's <laughs> well, there's a hint. And- it's not Nick Fury. <laughs> well i mean if you're gonna follow that up with i go there's people who don't want to know we we just kind of confirmed that it's not that one (laughs) yeah so you can cross one name off your list so far but we'll bring well maybe we'll talk about it later uh my stray thought love the the constant references to superman regarding icarus which they just did not try to hide at all which is very fun uh second stray thought loved that they added uh, Shang-Chi to the Marvel Studios credit where they show all the different scenes from the movies in the logo, which is amazing. I'm, caught, I'm glad I caught that. Uh, and then finally, you know, when I said this during our Loki review, I didn't think the MCU was going to be able to rival it, but Cersei and Icarus might be in contention for worst breakup ever of all time. <laughs> 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 After Loki and Sylvie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't expect them to top themselves in this year, but they did it. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, those are my straight thoughts. <sighs> We're keeping track. Worst breakups of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, I think that's going to do it. But of course, we want to hear what you thought. If you got a chance to see The Eternals, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Whatever it may be, let us know. You can always reach us at MC Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to write us an email, you can do that at mcuneedtoknow at gmail.com. You know what? And, and before I throw to you, Jude, uh, in your outro, I just want to say, uh, I know we've, we've talked about it here and there. Uh, we've mentioned it on the uh, guest episode that we did with Tara regarding the MCU character draft. I'm going to be gone. Yep. Uh, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a vacation. So for the next two weeks. He's quitting. Quitter. Oh my God. <laughs> what people don't know, what people don't know is you know how much it's hard for me to stop and how supportive you are in the in-between conversations where you're like, no, you need, you need to take break. It's good to recharge. And then to hear you go, quitter. It's so good. <laughs> I know. Like you wanted, you were, you were trying to figure out a way to take your podcast set up with you. I'm like, dude, take a yeah. break. It's okay. I know. I know. I got it. I'm, I'm going to, I'll be gone. I'm going to be on a vacation. Uh, I'm not going to be here. Uh, but I did wanted to take a chance to say, uh, you know, 
Hope everybody does well, and I'll be back for Hawkeye. And Jude, for you in particular, I'm very excited uh, to see what you do in these next two weeks. Yeah, me too. Hope it goes good. I can't wait to see what I figure out. Um, and and if, anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants to meet up with Trey, um, he's going to be on Nowhere. Um, so just- I'm going to be just in the, get, the head of a celestial. Just get on the Milano, meet him there. <laughs> All right, we're going longer. Ready? Real quick. Guardians of the Galaxy game. Amazing. Everybody should play it. It just came out and it's so good. Nice. Okay, your turn. Right. Outro. <laughs> Finish up my part of the outro. Make sure you're in the show notes. You click on the Discord wonderful community of people that love pop culture mcu sharing food sharing your workout routine we have it all if you're there for the marvel content which is probably the case since you're listening to the spot make sure you click on the roll assign click on the eye emoji so you have access to all the spoiler channels of course the best things you can do with us best with us is to talk with us but the best thing you can do for us is to share this podcast with your friend yeah We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is also linked in the show notes. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. See you in a couple of weeks, Trey. Thank you. (laughs) I see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, I thought we were going to do it after the banter. <laughs> no, I thought what I, what I was saying is we just mute, mute it and do our names now. Okay. And after the banter, you can say, hey, we're doing, we did this thing where we muted our mics to see who can get the most, name the most Eternals. Listen to the end to hear our list. Okay. Like after the banter, you can say that. Like, I don't, like in other words, because you're editing. I don't know why we'd mute our mics now and do it now. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, muter mics in the middle. Because I, the way that I was envisioning it was taking the time in the like in the episode where you hear me list the names and you list the names. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably better just have it the end tag because that'd be kind of awkward to hear one of us for like a minute and then another one of us for a minute and then coming back. So let's go ahead and, like you said, let's do it now. Okay, I'm muting so, now. So uh, I'm muting now. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and list out all the names that I can remember. And it's going to start with Cersei, um, Sprite, Icarus, Kingo, Thena, man, I'm really booking now, Gilgamesh, Makari, who am I missing? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, see, this is where peer pressure, when there's no peer, is starting to get to me, because I know I'm missing somebody. Oh, Druid, and I think that's it. Oh, I was supposed to be talking. I was typing them out. Oh, Ajax, no. Icarus, Fastos. Cersei. There we go. Fastos? It sounded like they said fast. That might actually like be cheating. Faust. Faust. So I'm going to be honest about uh, this. Sprite, I Gilgamesh, looked in my notes Thena. where I typed it up from memory earlier. The one guy's name. But that so will be upon Lotor. you and Jude to decide uh, whether or not that's cheating. Uh, but I think I got them all. Miss Flash. Don't remember her all right, name. Well, and I'm going to tell Jude that I'm ready. And uh, we'll go from there. So I'm telling him in the Discord now. Yeah, I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> why why did you say you're dumb? Because I started typing them out and then like I was getting towards the end and I realized I was like, oh, I wasn't saying them. <laughs> 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 but then but then I did say them. Okay, okay. Well, I I'm trying to debate how I want to do this. I may have potentially cheated, but I explained how I thought I cheated for one. So how did you like I had 
Well, because I was like, like oh, he... did I do it? I looked at my own written notes. Oh, my god! But gosh. that was from memory. It was only for one. I got all the other ones. It was only one. So let's see. One, two, three, four. I got five on my own. Six. Ah! What happened? Dang it. I forgot Druig. (laughs) That's so funny. That's the one one of them I forgot before I remembered. Yeah, so I got Cersei. I I got. Huh? Actually, that's good. Go ahead and read your list and then I'll read mine. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to tell you what I I got Uh, Ajax, Icarus, Cersei. Faustos, Faust. I, I, it was weird every time they pronounced it. Uh, but you know who I'm talking uh-huh. about. Uh, Sprite, yeah. Gilgamesh, Thena. I don't remember one guy's name, so I just named him Lotor. Um, Lotor? It's not. I knew it wasn't, so I just threw something down. Uh, and then the other one I couldn't remember, so I said Miss Flash. Uh, and then oh. as a, <laughs> and then as a bonus, Eros. <laughs> hey, spoilers. <laughs> it's Dru- out to the spoilers. Druig, I forgot. Okay, so here's my list: uh, Cersei, Sprite, Icarus, Kingo, Thena, Gilgamesh, Makari, Druig, and the, the one I cheated on was Fastos. Yeah, and I completely forgot Ajax. Okay, yeah. So Druig, I just forgot completely. That's the only one I forgot completely, and I just didn't know Kingo's name or Makari's name. So that was Lotor uh-huh. and Miss Flash. <laughs> Lotar. <laughs> what is Lotar? He's the villain prince in Voltron. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the I'm really bummed. So I don't know if you would consider it cheating, but I, I scrolled in my notes because I thought I had them all and I realized I didn't. And then I thought, well, that's kind of cheating, but also the notes are written from memory, but I'm going to dock me a point on that one for sure. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I even had I th- as my normal setup. I think Don Cheadle's going to be in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so. <sighs> <laughs> I honestly, for some reason, honestly had no idea at the time, but okay. I'm sorry, I cut you off from my joke. What were you saying? Um, oh, that I had my IMDb up and I and I didn't even look at it. Yeah, you see, you're much more disciplined than I am. <sighs> All right. Well, this was a fun experiment. Now let's do our review. (laughs) All right. I'm in. All right. You ready? Yep. 